Good morning. What do international workers do? Question mark. Here it comes, ready, if you're going to write it down or, or in your device. Bring access to Jesus where few or none have heard. Bringing access to Jesus where few or none have heard. And that's what our focus is as we talk about international work. Now, as it was mentioned, tonight we're going to be praying for international workers on that Zoom call from 6 until 7. So please uh, jump in and join us on that. Would you turn in your Bibles, if you're not there already, to Ephesians chapter 6. There are 11 verses in that section. It is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all the way to verse 20. 11 verses, and the topic today, or the theme of the message is four calls, four alls. And again, having teenagers and trying to be an effective communicator, that is your outline for today's message. And how it's going to work is you have a configuration, almost like a soccer field, soccer team. You have two, two, four, and three. We're going to talk a, a pair of verses, a pair of verses, four verses, and then three verses. And when we're done talking about the third verse, uh, the third section of that, we're going to be done. That's our outline. Would you turn there, and we're going to start off there as we talk about four calls, four alls. Ephesians chapter 6. We start in verse 10. And it says, be strong. Finally, comma, be strong. Be strong. That's a command. And it sounds a lot like Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Jo uh, Joshua, Moses is dead. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. Now, this is not a command to muster up human courage. Because as you continue looking at that in verse 10, it says what? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Does that sound familiar this morning? It should, because as I sat there and listened to Sadina and Kai were there, and Sadina's got a little piece of paper, and she's just all these very large words, and she's reading from what? She's reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and in there, Paul is giving us our benefits, our blessings of belonging to Christ. And one of the blessings and benefits is that we have Jesus who is now seated at the right hand of God, and he's what? Don't turn there, but Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says this. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? That sounds like what we just read in verse 10 of chapter 6. The greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Do not misunderstand that dependence in the Lord is not the same thing as inactivity. It's not. There's a call. There are four calls. The first call is a call to stand. A call to stand. And we pick that up in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, as well as into now verse 11. Those, uh, that's our, our first section there. It says, be strong. That's our call. Where It's a call to stand, a call to wrestle, a call to put on, and a call to pray. Those are the four calls. We're going to stand, we're going to wrestle, we're going to put on, and we're going to pray. First one, call to stand. I just read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Keep reading. Ephesians 6, 11, Put on the whole armor of God. Here it comes now that you may be able to what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, up until this point in chapter 6, if you've been reading in Ephesians, in this letter to this church... Up until chapter 6, we've been doing a lot of what? A lot of walking. We've been doing a lot of walking. We've been told how to conduct our life. That is what walking is, how to conduct your life. 
And Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to do what? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Ephesians 4.17, now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer do what? Walk as the Gentiles do, conduct your life. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in the love of Christ. Ephesians 8, walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then as you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So, if chapter six is parked here, here's chapter five, a lot of walking. Walking is how we conduct our life. Standing is how we fight. And Paul is saying, this is how we fight. I want you to stand, verse 11. Stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, if you've uh, watched enough war movies or documentaries about war, and it's the heat of the battle, the commanding officers, you can hear them yelling out. What are they yelling out? Stand your guard. Hold your line. Stand. Stand. In that verse 611, we are standing against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. Now, the devil has lots of different references in the Bible. We think of the devil in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. There's this conversation happening. And in the conversation, this schemer is doing what? Sowing seeds of doubt. Listen to the language of other New Testament references to the devil, Satan, the schemer. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 26 says, the snares of the devil. John 8, 44. He is called the what? The father of lies. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He masquerades as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He goes and does what? He blinds the minds of unbelievers. Schemer. Traps. Masquerading. Deception. That is the enemy. And Paul's saying, you need to stand. Stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 11. Now, this is what we have to understand. That's what we have to do, and it's going to require us to stand firm, and Paul doesn't just stop there. He continues to say, you need to do what? You need to put on the whole armor of God. If he is a schemer, if he's an accuser, if he's a liar, you need to stand, and you need to put on the right kinds of protective gear to fight that. So you're going to have truth and righteousness, and faith, and peace of the gospel, and salvation, and the word of God, those six parts of the armor that you're gonna have because you have to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, as we move on, we say, number one, we are called to stand, verses 10 and 11. Number two, we're called to do what? Called to wrestle, wrestle. What a great verb choice. Wrestling suggests what? It suggests several things. It highlights several things. Number one, it highlights what? A closeness to the battle. You're not going to do what? You're not going to stand from a distance and shoot your arrows over and you're like in a safe place. No, no, this is a hand-to-hand combat. You are wrestling against the schemes of the devil. It speaks of a personal, intense nature of the struggle you are in hand-to-hand combat, which is a tenacity-focused struggle. Wrestling is hard work. 
And at that moment, in verse 12 and 13, Paul takes the curtain and just pulls it back, and he says, I want to show you something, because I want to show you the real nature of this struggle. Because there's a contrast, you believers in Ephesians. As I rip this back, I want you to know something. That there's a contrast between the seen world of human interaction and the unseen world, which way do I turn? The unseen world of what? Spiritual battle. We've been chatting, we've been writing, we've been talking in chapter 5, says Paul, about human categories. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands and wives, love and respect each other. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Parents and children, this is how you're supposed to relate to each other. 5 through 8, which gets us into this section here. Just bumped up against it. He talks about masters and servants. So these human categories of interaction, husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants, that's happening. That's in sort of the real world. Ripping back the curtain, there is now a contrast. There's a juxtaposition between this, what seems like meaningless, not really meaningless, but monotonous kind of details of life, and that what's really happening in the real world. There's a spiritual battle that's, wrestling, that's raging, that's there, and you need to wrestle against it. Who are we wrestling against? We're wrestling against, and there's a list here. Again, as was read to us this morning from Ephesians chapter 1, which is way over here, the first bookend, where Sadina read it to us, she talked about Jesus, who has given us what? Those are the three things. The blessings of belonging, there's a second B, to Christ, the blessings, the benefits of belonging to Christ. That Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of the God, he is un, he's ruler over what? I'll read it for you. He says, Jesus seated far above all rule, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. Same words that we have here in this section. This is encouraging to you that the battle is raging, but guess what? Jesus has conquered through the cross. He is victorious. Yes, there's a battle. But remember, he is victorious because it says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus seated in the heavenly, realms, heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Do you see that on the screen, all those words? It's like the first bookend is matching up with the back bookend of Ephesians chapter 6. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then he says, Ephesians 6 Verse 13, he says, therefore, therefore. And that therefore is therefore. Now, I'm not going to do what some communicators do and say what? Ask what it is therefore. Well, okay, I just did it, but therefore. Paul is saying, okay, I just said all these things I just said. The therefore means everything I just said up until this point. Everything in that direction from 610 all the way back. Therefore, I want you to do something. Therefore. Take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Be able to. What does that mean, that you will be able to? If you're taking notes, that you would be successful, that you would be able to overcome. There are four calls in this section. Call number one is to stand. Call number two is to wrestle. Call number three is to put on put on. 
And in this section right here, this verse 13 that Paul has just said there, he says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Embedded in there are three basic principles that again, if you wanna take notes, three basic principles, you wanna catch them. Number one, Paul's saying, it's not in the text, but this is what he's saying. Number one, as you enter into this battle, number one, expect opposition. Number two, put on before the actual attack. Number three, put on the right gear. Number one, expect opposition. Number two, put on before the attack. Number three, put on the right equipment. Pause, time for a story. So last summer, Benjamin's out in the yard and he's playing with a friend and they're playing something frisbee or something and the frisbee kind of goes over to the side yard a hedge and all of a sudden from there come these yellow jackets or some kind of wasp and they come out and Benjamin gets a bunch of uh, wasp bites. And uh, that's a bad thing because he's sad, he's not allergic, but it's like very painful. So the other the, the, a couple of days later, and we're kind of monitoring that, we're trying to figure out what it is. I'm out head, doing the hedge, and sure enough, I get stung as well. And so um, thinking about what this is, you can call pest control. Yes, you could. Or you could go to your buddy across the street who knows everything. We all have somebody on our street we go to. Come on now, who it is in your, on your street? And, or maybe you're that person. I'm not that person. So I go over to my neighbor. I say, listen, Benjamin just got stung, and then I got stung, whatever. I, I, do you, have, you know a pest control person or, or not? And he says, oh, no. My son, who lives up in Musselman's Lake, he actually had them in his ground, and so he actually ordered from Amazon, product placement. He orders from Amazon. He says, you can actually get a whole gear, a whole thing, a whole suit. Really? And I'm sure he can lend it to you. I said, oh, okay. Call him. So he calls him. Sure enough, glad to lend it to me. So, what do you got to do? This is the story to do what? The three thoughts. Expect opposition. I'm going to get stung. Number two, put on the armor, put on the gear before you go into the danger. Number three, put on the right gear. Okay? Same principle. So, I get the gear, and again, teenagers mock you, and they want to, Dad, let's take a selfie. I'm like, no, it can go viral, Dad. No, really. So, sure enough, I get my old winter boots, get my boots, because I want to stand firm. Get my boots on, winter boots. I take this, this big suit. It's three-ply, three-layer. We like that. We like that. So I put that on. It's ventilated. I zip it all up. There's, everything's kind of nooking cranny. Got these elasticated kind of things around the wrists and the, and the bottom of the ankles. Nothing's going to get in there. Get my gloves, my old work gloves. You know, nothing, again, it's just nothing is going to get into that. Put on the what? The helmet of salvation. Oh, no, no. Put on the what? The veil, the head is all right there. It's vented. And there's another elasticated kind of thing there so I can move my neck like this. So I can't, it's not like I'm not going to be able to see. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And again, they tell you, if you look on the internet, like don't do it like in the heat of the day. That's when they're most aggressive. Just go like late evening, early morning. So I've got all my gear on, and I enter into the battle. And sure enough, I go in, and there's something up like this, like you just, it's amazing. You wish you could, like it had a GoPro or something, because you, you went in and you went, and with such authority, you just went into that little, by the way, wasps were hurt during the filming of this. <laughs> so I go in, not trying to, I just reach into the hedge, grab it, because there it is, it's like this envelope kind of thing, and I grab the, the actual nest, and I'm pulling it back, and they are ticked off. Breach, breach, and they're just going crazy, and they start to attack me. And I'm all in, I'm standing firm in my gear that I put on before because I knew you were going to sting me, you bunch of aggressive little swarming wasps. And I saw them, they were all over me, and I kind of just laughed to myself. 
as I took it and didn't know what to do next. <laughs> and I'm not sure where you are with sort of wasp and pest control, so I won't tell you what I did next. Wasps were harmed in the filming of that. That's a way to get you to understand the third call. We're called to put on. Paul says in verse 13, it's that hinge verse. Therefore, if we know he's a schemer and we're battling against him, expect opposition. Put on before you go out and put on the right armor. So Paul does that for us. Paul says, put on, therefore. And here it comes. You've been to enough of these before. You, everybody seems to have a different take on the different parts of the armor. You have what is called the belt of truth. You put it on. You have a soldier, and this imagery Paul likes to take and draw from, because the people who are receiving this, they see the soldiers walking around, and they see the armor. And if they've been in the Hebrew and understanding of the Jewish, whatever, they know that way back when, in Isaiah chapter 59, there's a description of the armor of God. That God is the one who actually has all these different characteristics of truth and righteousness and peace and faith. And what's the other one? And um, we'll get to it. <laughs> and then the word of God. It's all right there. So you put on that breastplate, so you put on that belt of truth. And it's the idea that you, the soldier takes his tunic and he takes all the loose ends and he sticks it into all the parts of the belt and he does it tight. What are you simply saying there? The question is, are you really serious about the battle? That's what it is. Am I entering into this battle? Do you, sorry, do you have an opportunity to go into the battle? Are you prepared for the actual battle? The readiness, do you want to win? How much does it matter that you win? Ephesians chapter 4b, the back side of that, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, this covers the most, what, vulnerable parts of your body because that's where the vital organs are. Do you have a practical and personal holiness that is there? You're protecting that. As you enter into the battle, does, it, does your life support? Oh, is it a holy life that you're trying to, to, to uh, navigate and, and to build in? Ephesians chapter 66, verse 15 says this, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Proper shoes are essential. You'll be slip sliding away. You know that. Do you have confidence in the power and the presence of Christ that you can actually stand? And it is that readiness. It's that peace. It's the peace of the gospel of Christ or the peace of the gospel. That is that we've been reconciled to Christ. That's what international workers are proclaiming that we are separated from God. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ has done and he has brought the peace. He has reconciled you to God. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You have that shield that's going to protect you against the temptations that Satan sends. And then finally, the, the uh, taking up the helmet of salvation. I say finally because the one about the word of God is, is, is one I want to dwell on. And take up the helmet of salvation, that there is security and assurance in the fact that you have been saved. The accuser comes and says, are you really saved? Is your salvation really secure? And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, talks about we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are sons of disobedience. 
And then verse 4 of chapter 2, but God, being rich in mercy, free gift of God, he brought you, your salvation is secure. Stand in that, have that helmet of salvation that your future salvation is secure. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That is why this church and the children's program and any part of it, it's always about bringing the word of God, the truth about God that you can combat and fight against the enemy. You can't do it on sort of just sort of well-meaning little statements. It's the word of God. And who is our model for that? It's Jesus, he himself, fighting against Satan during this time of temptation. There are four calls. We are called to stand. We're called to wrestle. We're called to put on. The fourth call, verse 18, it's a call to pray. Now, in this section, there are four alls of prayer, and they're all captured in verse 18. They are, verse 18 says, praying, now listen for them, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. For alls. At all times is the when. The when. Now, some author said this and I wrote it down. Christian, your armor will rust if it's not oiled with prayer. So you are praying. It's not a command. It's just as you're going into this, you are praying, and it's not something you have to do. It's something you can do. Now, this is the when. Are we always supposed to be praying at all times? And there's a literal sense to that that we cannot have every single moment of the day praying. Jesus himself went and found specific set times to pray as he removed himself from areas. And as, you, as I mentioned that about set times, what comes to your mind? Some of you are early risers, some of you do it late at night. If you're parents, grandparents, you do that with your grandchildren, you're with your children, you have those set times. Great, those set times are important. Praying at all times means that there is nothing that will happen to you that prayer would not be, here comes an appropriate response. As you move through your day, and if you have an occasion of, let it be a range of happiness, adversity, fear, or frustration, it's a time and an opportunity for prayer. The invitation is there, pray at all times. Now, to be very practical, here's three little short prayers you could say throughout the day. Number one, you could say thank you. And number two, you could say help. Number three, you could say I'm sorry. Thank you. There's a heart of gratitude. You just got great news. You got great health that day. Sun's up. Some kind of a laughing children you hear. Some kind of a grateful. So you're grateful there. There's a thank you that you utter. There's a help. I just heard some news that's very heavy. This relationship I'm having is very difficult. Help. I'm being tempted. Help. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I looked at that. I'm sorry I did that. And as we lean into the Spirit, our dependence on the Spirit, and He continues to reveal areas in our life when we can just respond in prayer. Number two, it's the what of prayer. The what of prayer. 
and that is with all prayer and petition. With all prayer and supplication. That's a different synonym for words like requests, petitions. Now this is a great opportunity. Grandparents don't listen in, because you guys are what? You're pushovers with kids and, and, and requests, so you're, you're out of the, the, the equation. I want to talk to parents here. When your children have one more request, and there's an expression that says, I have one good nerve, and you're jumping up and down on it. You look at your children, and sometimes it's like this, and it's like, no. The kitchen is closed. <laughs> no. Product placement. Amazon is not bringing you something this week. No. No. It's there when we actually reach into that. I don't want to hear any more requests. Now, we won't put our hand up, but we've been there as parents. That's overstated example to say our Heavenly Father is not like that. When we come to him, in fact, related to prayer, one of the key words in prayer is ask. Come, knock, keep knocking, ask. Bring different kinds of prayers. Bring the Lord's Prayer from last week. Leave spont uh, use spontaneous prayers. Use planned prayers. Frequent prayers of asking and asking. All kinds of prayers. Because if you have the right heart and the right understanding of what you're asking for, according to his will, just ask. Ask. Pause. Is there something that you have stopped asking God about? Bring all manner of prayer and supplication. Bring it and ask of the Lord. Number three, the how of prayer. We're to do it with all perseverance. All perseverance. There's a parable in the New Testament in Luke chapter 18, and it is about the persistent widow who comes and asks Jesus. Now, if you look at the parables of the New Testament, and Jesus uses them, at different points, the disciples even have to ask Jesus exactly what were you trying to maybe teach in that section. We didn't quite get that. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, is great in the sense that Jesus says, this is the reason I'm actually using this parable. And he says in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Let me tell you about the persistent widow. This one is about not losing heart. Always seek to pray. Have you lost enthusiasm, energy, heart? You've stopped praying. Difficult relationships. Stop praying for your kids. You stop praying for a breakthrough in your own spiritual life with struggles that you may have. Jesus tells the parable to remind us that we do not give up. We are persistent in our prayer. When you continue to pray and you are persistent in perseverance, you're communicating two truths. Truth number one, you are declaring that, that yes, God, you can do it. You are able to do it. And number two, that you actually care. Now, 
earlier I kind of went after the kids and made a little fun about the kitchen being closed and no more of this and more of that, whatever, whatever. But kids actually teach us something when they come and request things of us. It's a great moment for parents. When your kids come and ask you for stuff, they have that two-prong approach. They actually maybe believe that you can actually do it, pull it off. And number two, that you actually care enough that you're going to give it to them. May they be our example as we continue to pray with perseverance. That God, yes, you can still do it. And yes, God, you still care about my situation. Number four. Proper grammar. For whom? For whom? For all the saints. All the saints. All inclusive. This church is great about organizing and getting different people to pray. We have the, uh, the prayer line that comes to your inbox. Praying for specific people. This is all inclusive. Tonight, again, 6 to 7, we're going to be talking and praying about our international workers. Those saints, those international workers. There are people in your churches, there are people in your small groups that you're praying for. All kinds of people that you're connecting with. And you're looking to pray and pray for them very specifically. One of the themes of this last section, verse 18, is praying with the four calls. When? All the time. What? Prayer, supplications. When? Or sorry, not when. Uh, how? With perseverance. And for whom? It is for all saints. Now, within our international worker context, there's a strong emphasis on prayer. We have values that we, we work by within our global ministries. We have five of them. One of them is actually the theme of prayer. It's a value of ours. And the value says that the work of missions is what? It is born in prayer, sustained in prayer, and completed in prayer. There's a lot of emphasis when international workers come and speak into your churches that there's a call. Join us. And there are people here that are actually thinking about doing international work. That's a call to missions. There's a call to give and there's a call to pray. And sometimes the call to pray is always sort of like, oh no, by the way, if you can't do it with the other guys, just go ahead and pray like it's some sort of lower priority. I've been a recipient, my family has been a recipient of this church as you've prayed for our family and for me specifically when I was a single man and wondered if I'd ever get married. But that happened, you prayed for us. And I appreciate, Pastor, you are making this an emphasis for this to have an opportunity to pray as we pray for our international workers. So as we conclude today, we think about our Mission Sunday, that our international workers, just like you as you leave here, you're entering into a battle. And there's a call to stand and to wrestle and to put on and to pray and do it not with some of the time, not with some prayers and supplications, not with some perseverance, and not for some saints, the key theme of all. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful that uh, you are a, uh, a God full of compassion. You ask us to come and to, uh, to bring our requests to you. We thank you for uh, how you have created 
uh, different people to do different things, and you have international workers using their gifts overseas, and you have key people placed in this church to uh, financially give. You have folks who actually are looking to actually go, and you have those who desire to pray. And we thank you for your word today. We thank you for how your word encourages us. It reminds us that we are in a battle, and it's not sort of a pat on the head and good luck, off you go, but it's actually a very clear equipping as we seek to stand. And we don't do it alone. We thank you for community, and we thank you for, thank you for the strength of this church that seeks to do that. And as uh, Pastor Daniel reminds us, as we seek to do this, with, uh, with one person at a time, and may you use each of us to that end. In Christ's name, amen.